Welcome everyone to the Compost Podcast, where we decompose socialized outlooks. Join us as we take the complicated bits of life and listen as we combine facts and experiences to hopefully help you form critical opinions and take a step towards personal growth. As a note, we are not experts or medical professionals. We are just two friends having a conversation. Hi, I'm Banana. And I'm Cauliflower. So this week on Compost, we are going to be talking about social anxiety, which is a very, very common kind of anxiety disorder in our in this day and age. Um, I think most youth and even adults have some sort of social anxiety or social anxiety disorder. It is very common. Um, I know for one that I have definitely dealt with it. Um, and mine's more based on the fact that I have a uh, learning disability. Um, it's an audio perception disability, so I don't hear things properly. And that causes me to have a lot of social anxiety in very crowded and noisy spaces because I mishear people. It's a, it's extremely isolating and sometimes very hard to deal with. I have to ask people to repeat things quite frequently and, uh, I've definitely learned to compensate with it, but it is definitely not, it definitely makes socializing with people in spaces where there's a lot of background noise very, very difficult. And I know that Banana has also dealt with social anxiety herself. Yes, I, I've dealt with uh, social anxiety. So for me, I have a, a couple sort of comorbid uh, things that like to work together to, <laughs> to send me some challenges. But yeah, I've had a social anxiety for a really long time. Uh, and I would say that it sort of uh, gets like a little worse and a little better. It kind of comes mm. in in waves as my life uh, progresses on. And so I know like when I was younger, there was a time when like I... I was like afraid to like enter a restaurant or a store because I was just convinced that like the people would see me and be like, get out. Like, you're not, you're not welcome here. And like, like I knew that that was irrational even then, but there was still like this part of me that was just convinced that, you know, people just hated me, that they didn't want me around, that they, you know, were judging me, they were talking about me. And I think that because I did have some real experiences that that did happen, uh, like some bullying and stuff in uh, high school that, um, you know, maybe did that sort of did solidify that sort of paranoia that you do get when you get very, very anxious. Yeah. Um, Because really, you know, Anxiety is so important. You need anxiety. Um, it's, you know, you need your fight or flight response. Uh, and if you didn't, I mean, if you didn't have anxiety, then you wouldn't really have reactions. Like, you know, you need to have those instinctual reactions um, in your day-to-day life because that's, you know, it's what keeps you safe. But, um, you know, when your anxiety becomes so overwhelming, it 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 doesn't feel like it feels, it feels so real, even though, you know, you can say to yourself, like, I know that this is, you know, something that I'm dealing with and something that I'm aware of, but that doesn't, you know, saying those things doesn't really mean that it goes away. Um, at least, at least that's what I found. Yeah. That is having these other experiences that kind of cement your social anxiety definitely makes it a lot worse. Cause Individuals with social anxiety and social anxiety disorder or even generalized anxiety disorder are are very commonly self-critical and very tend to have lower self-esteem. So they look at themselves and the things that are happening around them and they they are very critical about them and they apply it to themselves and it causes the anxiety to be worse than it already is because you become your own worst enemy. You kind of are like you're your own bully. You like look at yourself. Yeah, like like your own 
your own like worst critic. Like, yeah. you, you know, you're worried that everybody's criticizing you, but really you're sitting there criticizing every movie exactly. you make because you're worried that other people are criticizing you. Are yeah. doing the exact no, it's same hard. thing. So it's exactly it's 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 kind of like your own self abuse. It's which is hard because it's very difficult to recognize that you're being critical of yourself and that these this anxiety that is being derived from that criticism is very harmful. Um, so social anxiety disorder is categorized. So you can have social anxiety, which is like just kind of one off. Like uh, I'm nervous to pee in the bathroom with someone else. It's like that's an actual thing. Um, that's yeah. called social anxiety. Social anxiety disorders, when it gets to the point where it's actually debilitating, it is somehow harming your day-to-day life. Um, and social anxiety disorder still is spe- specified on specific things. And then you have general anxiety disorder, which is just kind of this generalized kind of anxiety caused by multiple things in your life. So that that is how it is kind of categorized. Initially, when social anxiety became a thing that was being studied by medical professionals. It was under the branch of agoraphobia, which is the fear of going outside, which is also another social anxiety disorder, which I thought was very interesting that we as individuals kind of have this idea of social anxiety as this, especially in our day and age of this, like these kind of like talking in front of crowds or not being good at socializing, but it's, it's very broad. So I think you're completely right. It is very broad. And I think that it's because the experience of anxiety is so diverse. Like, you know, certain people will find certain things fun. Like I, for one, I love riding roller coasters, but some people really, really, really hate riding roller coasters. And I think that even just like that kind of example, there are so many, like we all experience things so differently. So when it comes to something that is as broad as anxiety, it can be really hard to put your finger on like, you know, specifically for you, like what the root cause is. so, but social anxiety, uh, in my research, what I found is that it it has to do specifically with social situations. So that is with uh, you and at least one other person present. Um, and uh, there are two main categories. So there's performance situations and right. interpersonal interactions um, that that um, are affected with social anxiety. So for per- performance situations would be like public speaking or uh, presenting in a meeting or a class. Uh, like you said, like using a public washroom, like some people get really, really shy, yeah, which is understandable. Shy. Exactly. Um, you know, I know ooh, this was this is one that I thought was interesting, like writing in front of others. I know mm. for me personally, like when I have to write something down, I get so nervous and my handwriting looks completely different than it yeah. usually does. And I don't really know why I get so anxious like why do I get anxious about somebody like looking at my handwriting and judging it like that's that's so silly like it is you think they're judging you even though they're probably not giving two shits about whether you're writing or not but I've had the same thing with drawing like I like I've always struggled to draw in front of other people in public because I feel like there's this judging eye when in reality people are either like they're looking at your what you're doing and they're interested or they don't give two shits about what the fuck you're doing it really is usually those two, yeah. those two options too, which is the funny part. Like, you know, and, and it, it, I think that's as, you know, because I've had anxiety for so long, um, you know, I, I kind of am able to look at it from a slightly different perspective. Like, you mm. know, it's so familiar to me now that when it comes up some, you know, not always, but sometimes I can recognize it and be like, Oh dear. Like, yeah, th- this is come anxiety. On. This is what I'm yeah, feeling. Like, yeah. Like this is anxiety. And like, like let's unpack this a little bit. Like, why are you feeling anxious? And like, you know, it could be something as simple as like, 
I didn't do my dishes last night and it's weighing heavily on my mind and it's making me feel stressed and anxious. And, and then I'm like, well, what can we do? What can we do to solve this? You could just go do your dishes. It'll take five minutes, not even, you know, but, but there's still this like, um, yeah, like almost a fear of judgment, even if there's nobody there, at least for me. Mm. Um, and just to finish what I was saying, so there's the performance situations and then there's interpersonal interactions. So, you know, I think most people will get some form of anxiety in performance situations. So this isn't just, um, is specific to social anxiety disorder, but I think the interpersonal interactions are the ones that are really, uh, like, I mean, of course you can still be uncomfortable in certain interactions, but I know for me, like meeting new people stresses me right out because I don't right. know what to expect. Right. I don't know what to expect. I don't know, you know, and like, for me, I have like a chronic fear of confrontation. So like, I always get nervous that, you know, the people that I'm going to meet are, are, you know, I don't know, not going to like me, judging that they're going to judge ways. me. Exactly. Yeah. So like, so they're, but, and then like, you know, dating or being assertive, expressing opinions, talking on the phone, working in a group. So there are, there are a lot of examples. And I think, I think it's, you know, people who don't have anxiety, I think they don't really consider all of those like little things, like yeah. meeting a new person, like, you know, you get introduced to a new person and How you some get of the anxious. simplest of tasks become extremely exactly difficult. become that, extremely extremely difficult the, the, this idea is uh this is actually called interpretation bias so individuals with social anxiety have an interpretation bias towards specific stimuli so when you like in meeting a first person you you're looking at them and you're analyzing them and a lot of the time over analyzing their social cues and then you interpret them in a certain way and individuals who have social anxiety tend to ter interpret these things negatively so like say they they make a certain facial expression you might you might see it as like oh they don't like me or they're annoyed by me or something negative rather than a positive interaction and this is kind of a constructed bias towards this the and it's part of it's a huge part of why people get anxious. It's also it's tied into the being like self-critical and low self-esteem and over analytical. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think uh, what in my research that um, I found was interesting is that, you know, nobody really knows like what like the root cause of like heightened anxiety is like a chronic anxiety sort of disorder or social anxiety disorder. Nobody really knows because it is so specific like you know um the causes could be inherited traits so like genetic um genetic factors that you have inherited from your family or um you know maybe behavioral stuff that you've witnessed from your family like like yeah. different ways that they manage their anxiety that you've also taken on it can also be your brain structure yep. um and your um the structure in your brain called the amygdala yep. um it, if it's over if it's overactive Highly or overreactive yeah, yeah. exactly then it can it can cause incredibly um increased anxiety in in many situations and also your environment so yep. as i said like you know kids will pick up um you know cues from their parents on how to manage their emotions and stuff you know when they get when they get anxious or stressed and so but but kids also will learn um from their you know teachers and their their classmates and their friends and their extended family members so um it, it really can be just a huge combination of so many different things and i think that that is why um you know, anxiety can be such a difficult thing for people to talk about is because yeah. it is so different and, and, and 
unique. It's a unique experience for each person. And I think people feel very isolated when they have these experiences that people, you know, we don't really talk about anxiety in a, in a, in a re- real, like raw, honest, open way very often. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, people think that they're having these unique experiences that nobody else has had when really, you know, a lot of people, you know, have incredible anxiety and it manifests in different ways in your body and your mind and your reactions and your reactions. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I but think that's also, also why it is over, I, I believe uh, almost about half of all individuals with anxiety disorders go undiagnosed. And it's, it's because there's so, it's so varied, but it's also because there's this, this huge taboo about it. And it, it's a lot of the time, if an individual has social anxiety, people just kind of pass it off as, oh, they're just bad at social interactions. They're not a social individual or they're introverted or tons of other reasons as to why it's, it's not an, it's not an illness. It's just who they are. Right. And it's like, so these individuals end up feeling like, oh, uh, I don't need help. Nothing's wrong with me. That's just who I am. I'm just bad at these things rather than looking at it and be like, Hey, this is a problem that I should seek help for. Yeah. And I think, I think it's hard too, because there is the stigma when you, when you seek help and like, you know, like, so, and I know for me personally, I didn't realize that I was living with, debilitating anxiety I just sort of thought that this was how everybody felt and that I wasn't dealing with it well if that makes sense like you know because like I sort of I, I I sort of as a defense mechanism and as a coping mechanism I sort of would you know just act not anxious even though I felt like sick on the inside like Mm. and I I had anxiety manifesting and like like I was terrified like as a kid, all the time, I was absolutely terrified that whenever we would go on a car ride, I would have to pee so badly that I'd pee my pants. Right. It never happened. But like every time we would go, I would have to pee like six times before we went in the car because I would be so nervous yeah, that so I would anxious. pee my pants in the car. It wasn't recognized as anxiety. It was sort of something quirky that Banana did. You know, it wasn't something that... Um, you know, that the the adults in my life recognized as, you know, debilitating anxiety, they just sort of saw that as something, you know, a funny, a funny thing that that a kid did, right. And I think that that's something that's really important. um, Just to note is that, you know, at least at least for me, I can only speak from my own experience, I, as a child, experienced extreme anxiety from a very young age. Like I remember getting sick to my stomach with anxiety about things like just everyday things It from yeah. basically as long as I can remember. Like, you know, I would get, I, I had separation anxiety from my mom. Like when I was very young, like I would get sick when she would leave. And, mm-hmm. you know, as I said, I would get really anxious before long car rides and like, you know, and it was the same before going to bed, I would be afraid that I was going to pee the bed and like all this stuff. And it was just so many little everyday things that again, I just, I just sort of acclimated to it and I sort of thought it was normal, but I think it's really important to know that Anxiety in kids a lot of the time will manifest in in different ways, like not always, obviously, sometimes children will, you know, present um, with, you know, sort of stereotypically adult anxiety um, symptoms, but typically children are, you know, they're going to react more in like 
acting out behaviorally, you know, as opposed to saying, I'm feeling conflicted or I'm feeling anxious, they're going to behave badly. And it's kind of like, I think that's sort of why it's so hard to be a parent. It's kind of up to the parent to sort of identify, you know, what the root cause of this behavior is and like why, why their child is in distress. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that anxiety isn't something that is thought of all the time, you know, like maybe something like ADHD or ADD or something like that, you know, um, where the child's behavior is, you know, quote unquote, out of control. Um, You know, when, you know, a lot of the time, I know for me, a lot of the time when I acted out when I was a kid, it was because of anxiety. It was, it was, So social anxiety was only actually distinguished from other phobic anxiety disorders about like 50 years ago. And it only became to the medical community's attention and recognition recognition about 20, 20, 20 years ago about for the medical society to actually look at it and be like, hey, this is a thing and this is something we need to deal with. Like it is it is prevalent almost like. It is almost as prevalent in childhood as it it is in adulthood. And almost every single case of childhood anxiety disorder carries over into adulthood. Oh, absolutely. And I would say, um, I mean, again, I can only speak for myself, but I would say for me, um, it's, it's because I grew up in my formative years I, 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 and I was so anxious. It's sort of like, that's how, that's all, you know. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I actually don't know if I could imagine living a life not being anxious because that's how my, my, my whole life has been like, you know, and it's all, you know, yeah. Like it's, it's interesting because sometimes I'll have conversations with like my friends or my family and they'll say something, um, and that to me, I'm just, I'm just like, wow. Like, I feel like I could not ever really like do that, but for them, it's so easy. And and then I have to sort of, you know, because, and it, it's shocking how many like little things happen like that where people are like, oh, I did, you know, I went to like Canadian Tire and I bought this like sander or something. And mm. I'm just like, wow, like, that's I so don't know impressive. why. Like, how did it's you It's so do impressive. That? Yeah. Like, and it's so easy for you. And you just went right in and did that. And like, yeah. but then I have to sort of remind myself that, you know, my anxiety while it is legitimate and it is valid, it's also not always right. And I have to remind myself that like, you know, if even though I, in my mind have been like, I am so nervous to take the bus all the way to Canadian tire, go Mm -hmm. into Canadian tire, find the right sander. I don't even know what I'm looking for, you know, like, and then, and then, and then like buy it and then come back on the bus. Like all of those things are stressful for me, but then I have to remind myself, you know, even though it feels so big to me and it feels overwhelming and frightening, I, I, and I don't know if this would be helpful for everybody, but it it is helpful for me as I remind myself, like, these are normal things that Mm -hmm. everybody does. And, and it's not out of bounds for you to need to go and buy a sander. Like you have every right to be there and you have, you know, they need your, your business as a consumer, they need your business. Exactly. But it's interesting how often I have to go through that process. Right. Yeah. It, you know? It's kind of your, it's your, it's your, um, compensation to the illness. Basically it's how you deal with the anxiety and the irrational thoughts of like, Hey, I don't belong here. This is too hard. But it, it's also, it, this goes to show how, how some of the simplest of tasks become insurmountable 
obstacles for individuals with like anxiety disorders because it's like going to the store and buying a sander should be super easy like it should you should, should be never like have an hour-long task yeah, yeah it should and, be so and, easy and that doesn't even take into the time of you sitting at home mentally preparing yourself to do it and i've been there for specific exactly. things too like talking on i suffer from like phone anxiety because of my auditory perception disability i have trouble uh discerning words especially when i can't see people's mouths so someone will say doc and i hear fuck and that's those kinds of conversations never end disorienting well. <laughs> Yeah, extremely disorienting because I have to and I've learned to compensate for it by like really having to overthink people's conversations and what they're saying and even learning to somewhat read lips so that I'm not mishearing or misunderstanding people's like entire sentences. And so I have those moments where before a phone call, I'm sitting there for 20 minutes hyping myself up to do this when it shouldn't be hard. It's just a phone call. And you can tell yourself that as much as you want, but it doesn't change the fact that it is extremely nerve wracking. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, I think that that is one of the things that is sort of frustrating and disappointing about mental health problems is that you can, you know, you can know about them and you can recognize them when those emotions and, and, and reactions come up, but that doesn't make the emotions and the reactions go away. Yeah. You know, like you can say to yourself, oh, you know, I am so anxious. I am out to lunch anxious. You know, yeah. I don't know what to do with myself, but um, that doesn't necessarily make the feelings go away. And, and and also like, you know, certain tactics for anxiety will work for some people and will not work for others. And I think yeah. that that's a really important thing just because uh, anxiety is so diverse and it's 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 a different experience for everybody. It, there's not one band-aid solution for everybody because, you know, as we discussed, there are, you know, a bunch of different factors that can come into play, uh, like biological factors, environmental factors, uh, interpersonal factors. And, and so there's no one way that's going to ease someone's anxiety or, or no one tactic or, or, you know, solution because yeah. everybody is so different. And even if somebody has this exact, like, you know, you have siblings that grow up in the same environment, they could still react completely differently to the same um, stimuli. Exactly. Because we're, you know, we're all different people. And so I think that, and I think that that's partly as well, why it's hard for people sometimes to get help for anxiety, because it does sort of necessitate you really going in and talking to someone for real, yeah. like a counselor and unpacking this stuff. And a lot of people feel shame that they, it, that, they go on that they, due to the reticence, right? They're, exactly. They're, yeah. Individuals with social anxiety already have enough like self-criticism and embarrassment that it's hard to talk about these things because you, you end up believing that the person's not going to take you seriously, that your problems are so minuscule and unimportant that you don't even go to find help because you're too embarrassed to talk about it. To be Like you come up with the idea, oh, they're going to just laugh at me. They're going to tell me nothing's wrong with me. I, I, I'm in the wrong. Going to a doctor for this is not yeah. the correct answer. Yeah. Well, and I think it's hard too because like, Unfortunately, I, I know I know I have uh, myself had some uh, negative experiences with uh, uh, some counselors and mm -hmm. and sort of mental health professionals. But I also know a lot of my my friends and peers have also had some really negative experiences with mental health professionals who, you know, 
or almost dismissive who were dismissive yeah and you know didn't didn't really take the person seriously and and i think it's because there is sort of this idea that you know if you're functioning at a certain level in certain ways you must be fine but i think that that is actually a very dangerous uh way to look at it because then when you have people who have extreme anxiety about, you know, very specific things, but they present well, exactly, you know, then they get dismissed when they go and they ask for help. And I know, like, I have a friend who has asked for help. um, And, and was basically told, like, you have nothing to be upset about or worried about. And that's not, that's not okay. Like, you know, I, I, this is just my opinion, but I really believe that every single person should have the opportunity and the availability to reach out to a mental health professional or a counselor or a life coach or someone, someone like that. I think that everybody should have access to somebody like that to help make smart, healthy decisions in your day-to-day lives. Like it doesn't have to be because, you know, you've, you know, endured you know, years and years of extensive therapy, um, uh, trauma. trauma. And then, you know, you, and then you, you know, are, are falling apart. And then you finally, you know, are like, I have no other choice. I am in so much pain. I have to go get help. And that, and then it's even more painful because you're so at rock bottom and it hurts. It's like, if we just took away some of the stigma and the sort of taboo of going to therapy and talking, like talking about things for real with people and being honest and vulnerable, like I think that that would make such a huge difference. But people instead are are shamed and and made to feel guilty for having reasonable anxiety due to their experiences or their genetic, you know, code, and then. Mm-hmm you know, they're just, they're not, and, and we're not taught how to deal with anxiety in school. No. You know, I, I feel like it's just like a bunch of factors, but. Basically anyway. in, in this day and age, individuals are set up to have social anxiety, especially with this immense media pressure that was never existent in our, the past, where basically your day-to-day life can be scrutinized by millions, right? And I think that's partially brought upon ourselves because of our huge inclination to share our personal lives through social media but nonetheless it still creates an environment where people are going to be socially anxious and are going to be self-critical on themselves and it's going to lead to specific safety behaviors to protect themselves from the social anxiety like 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 you said presenting well that is a safety behavior right you you're scared of a fear. Oh, outcome. absolutely. So you present well so that those outcomes that you're so afraid of do not occur, right? That is, ext- it's an extremely common behavior because you're so afraid of this individuals either scrutinizing you, dismissing you, judging you that you present well so that you don't have to deal with that kind of outcome. Exactly. And I think even that pressure to present well, obviously part of that is internal because of the anxiety that you already have, but there is a pressure like from society to present well, like, you know, I mean, and this is a little off topic, but I mean, even just the way that like certain people talk about like, you know, the homeless population, Hmm. you know, these people have no choice but to live on the streets and live and be observed 
And, and, you know, and then you have people that do talk badly, like use like the term like crackhead or something, which is like so rude and offensive. You don't, you should not refer to a human being like that, but people, you know, people, again, there is this like societal expectation of, of, you know, dealing with all of your shit, you know, and not, not ever falling apart, not ever yeah. having any problems. And then when you do, you get scrutinized. And I think that that, you know, for people that have anxiety and that, you know, are in sort of the in-between where they're really struggling, but they're still not struggling enough that everybody can tell that pressure is excruciating oh, of yeah. being like, you know, I need to, I need to, I need help, but I don't deserve help. Basically. It's like, I need help, but I don't deserve help. And I need to keep up this facade because it would be so much worse if everybody knew how badly I was doing. Like, and I think that that's another thing is like this fear of sort of being found out because it is taboo. Like I know a lot of people um, that I know, like have had, like spoken to me one-on-one and and said, you know, like I have anxiety, I have depression, but like nobody understands and nobody, you know, nobody will talk to me about it or like, listen to me about it. And, and I think that, um, it, yeah, like, I think that the way that we have approached just sort of as, you know, people, the way that we've approached anxiety is like, you know, now, like in, in my research, I found like we've, we've, done a lot more research and stuff into anxiety disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's general anxi- generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, phobia related disorders, specific phobias, um, social anxiety disorder, as we're talking about previously yeah. called social phobia, agoraphobia, as we touched on, which is the fear yeah. of leaving your house, incredible fear of leaving your house, yeah. uh, separation anxiety disorder, which is very common in children, selective mutism and then and you know and then they've got stuff like you know there's treatments and therapies there's psychotherapy cognitive behavioral therapy medication um and 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 like a bunch of different things but and and i would say actually like at least for me i have access to a computer i have access to the internet i live in canada so i'm able to uh i'm able to do research um you know from a a decently large pool of information. Um, and, and I was able to find a lot of this information, um, pretty easily. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that most people don't think at least, at least I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really think to look up. Uh, and when you do end up looking up articles, you know, just if, if, if you type like anxiety or social anxiety or symptoms of social anxiety or something like that, you end up coming up with a lot of articles um, that are kind of opinion pieces. Um, and there are like, so this one is 20 things, sorry, um, 10 things not to say to someone with social anxiety. Um, and it was medically reviewed, but it's still personally, I think that it's difficult to, it's really difficult to, to, like I said, like, because the experience of anxiety is so diverse, it's difficult to put down like, you know, guidelines that are, that are good for everybody. Exactly. So this one says what not to say to someone with social anxiety. So there are uh, something like, why are you so quiet? Mm -hmm. I mean, definitely that's something that I get asked a bunch. Um, you know, if, if I'm like in a party, you just need to think positive. It's like, thanks. If I could do that, I would be doing that. 
That's also um, something you wouldn't say to someone with depression. So it's not. Exactly. Or like you just need to face your fears. And again, it's like if, if I was capable I do, of doing day. that. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. If I was capable of doing that to like the to the extent that you want me to like. I, I would do it because I want to be doing this. This is not a and choice that I've made. And you'd also solve world hunger. Exactly. Um, and then, yeah, and then there was another one. It was like 10 best jobs for people with social anxiety disorder. Mm. So there were ideas that were like artist, stay-at-home parent, writer, dog trainer, counselor, computer programmer, accountant, and landscaper. So Which It's such an insult in it of itself, right? Like that's Yeah, like- because it, it, it kind of gives the impression that people with social anxiety disorder should you know well yeah or should like pack themselves away so that they you know and and i mean like obviously for some people with social anxiety who who where it's to the point that you know maybe it's sort of like agoraphobia level where they're Mm. not able to leave their house something like being an artist or a writer um or a computer programmer might be really good because they would be able to do that from the comfort of their own home but i think at least for me like I'm an introvert what you can do exactly you don't want to be told what what you can do and like the reality is is like for me like I am an introvert and Mm. I have social anxiety disorder and I um but but that doesn't mean that I want to just be shunted away into the corner you know I want to want to be seen I still want to be seen and I still want people to love me and care about me and be invested in me and I want to be invested in them too and I know that I have you know my own inner um struggles but just because I have social anxiety disorder and I'm an introvert, and, you know, I like to spend time by myself doesn't mean that, you know, that should be expected of me because I have social anxiety disorder. Which I also think sense. is a big proponent to it is that there's this idea that individual social anxiety disorder are so scared of and afraid of being seen, heard physically affectionate all these kind of things when in reality people with social anxiety sort of crave these things just as much as any regular individual without social anxiety the only difference is that they can't actually get to the place where they can have it without being scared shitless and like so afraid of it that they can't have it exactly like i remember when i was younger and i was in uh high school i remember very clearly in my french class um knowing the answer to a question and nobody else was raising their hand and I knew what the answer was, but in my brain, I was like, that's the wrong answer. Like my brain just like very confidently told me was like, that answer is not correct. Even though I knew it was correct. Like it was, it's very, it's a very conflicting feeling because like, you know, you, you do, you begin to doubt yourself and And you end up like the physical symptoms, I think, like, I don't know if everybody experiences physical symptoms of anxiety, um, you know, the way that I, I would, but like, I know that I get like, I get like sort of like a rush of like dizziness and like, I feel like I get my lungs is like shrunk and like my, my heart will be pounding and like, I'll get like a little sweaty and clammy Mm -hmm. and, um, and like, it happens all the time. And, and I think that, you know, these things end up building up because 
you know, you start be, you start becoming nervous to raise your hand in class and then you yeah. start being nervous as you get older, you start getting nervous to, you know, speak out uh, in your job. Uh, mm-hmm. You start getting nervous to put yourself out there uh, with your friends or, you know, to do anything new. And it just sort of ends up building up into something that seems insurmountable. And it, it feels like, I mean, even to just go back to the, you know, the the what we were talking about going to Canadian Tire to get the sander like for most people that would be like oh I need a sander I'll go pick that up tomorrow for me it's like oh I know I need a sander but I really don't want to go get it oh my gosh I'm so nervous and then I and then I'll think about it for like a week and I'll like gear myself up for it and I will plan an entire day around getting on the bus and going to Canadian Tire and getting the sander and then coming back and then I need time after to like deal with how stressful that was well, and control things, even though right? like by yeah planning, well, and you're even, creating a comfort zone for yourself right you haven't you're trying to take control of something in this situation to give you that sense of uh, comfort and safety exactly and and i think that that is another part of it is a lot of people who experience anxiety um you know there are reasons why they experience anxiety there are things that have happened that um have made them feel that they, it's necessary to react with with anxious feelings in certain situations, right? And I think that that is partly why, you know, planning is so important, at least at least for me, mm-hmm. um, is because like, you know, I can plan and I, I will make that plan in my head and I know what I'm going to do and I can mentally prepare myself. And then like, I can sort of mentally prepare myself for if anything else unexpected like happens when I'm on the trip and stuff. But it's funny, I guess I've never really thought about it, but I, I really do plan yep. most of my days. I think that like most that. individuals with anxiety disorder, especially generalized anxiety disorder, are planners because it it's it creates something that you can control. And I know yeah. that for me, especially the fear of the unknown causes me a lot of anxiety and by planning and having an idea of what I'm going to do kind of helps me avoid that outcome of not knowing what's going to happen next. And I remember, especially when I was younger, which when my anxiety was a lot worse is that I try to plan for every outcome. Like, okay, I'm going to go to this store. I'm going to go try and buy this. If they say no, I have this to give them. If they say no to that, I have that to give them. If they, this outcome occurs, I can say this, right? Like I'd overanalyze and over plan to try and protect myself from that outcome of not knowing what to do next. Yeah. I, I, And again, I think it's funny because like I I haven't really thought about it in those terms, but Mm -hmm. I really do. I I do plan ahead and I think very like I think a lot about a lot of stuff. And I I I wonder, you know, if that is even something that like, you know, that's something that I've sort of felt like, you know, that is a unique thing for me, which um, it's not. But, but I think again, like I, anxiety is a very isolating experience, yeah. you know, it's, it's internal and it, it can be over, it can be so overwhelming. And I think that, you know, being able, like I said, being able to like talk about this stuff and, and, uh, hear other people's you know, stories and hear, hear that you're other not alone and hear that you're not alone. Like it's so it's eye opening. but I hope, I mean, I always hope I yeah. always have hope. <laughs> But I hope that, uh, you know, especially after, you know, COVID and, you know, we've all gone through this collective trauma together. I hope that we're able to 
recognize that, you know, as humans, we all have needs that deserve to be met and that, you know, maybe we can change sort of the way we have things structured to be able to meet each other's needs better. Yeah. Because and I, I think that you know, this, it's, the recognition of the fact that social anxiety disorder and generalized anxiety disorder are common and are prevalent and are not taboo would allow individuals to seek help without the fear of being embarrassed. Right, right. Right now, so many people do not deal with it because it is a scary process. You don't want to admit to having a problem that people look as that makes you seem inferior to or less than. And then you get severely isolated by having anxiety disorder. You're stopped from doing things that you want to do, like going on dates or hanging out with friends, going shopping by yourself or seeing a movie. Right. Like your life becomes severely limited and it sucks it's shit it's debilitating and it ends up to like you end up social anxiety disorder tends to lead to other problems such as like depression ocd and other like anxiety derived disorders and it's like anything it's not super healthy but it's super hard to deal with yeah no it is and um i think actually that is a very good note uh to bring up is that Anxiety is usually not the only thing that's going on. Usually no. there's a cause for anxiety. Usually anxiety is is comorbid with other things that are going on in your life. And I think, again, like... And sometimes it's hard to distinguish. Uh, quite it frequently is. when social anxiety disorder was actually identified as a thing, it was misdiagnosed as agoraphobia or OCD or depression, right? Like it wasn't... Because it has such a huge overlap with other disorders, it sometimes isn't recognized as its own thing. Yeah, well, and I, I will say as well, like when my, there there have been a few times in my life when my anxiety has been incredibly, like, like basically the worst times, the times in my life when my anxiety was the worst. Mm-hmm. You know, I did have, you know, sort of limited symptoms of like, you know, well, I mean, not OCD because I don't have OCD, but I, yeah. I had OCD-like symptoms in response to anxiety. Um, anxiety because I was so frightened, like, internally. Mm-hmm. And, like, I remember there was a a lavender hand sanitizer that got into my house one time, and I love lavender, like, real lavender. I love it. It smells so nice. And I tried this lavender hand sanitizer. And at that point in my life, there was a lot going on and I was really stressed. And I don't know what it was about the lavender hand sanitizer, but it smelled, I, it just, it set something off in my brain. And I ended up like crying and washing my hands and like I was shaking and I was so anxious about this smell, Mm. like that I had never smelled before. And it, and it was completely unpredictable. Like I had no, I was not expecting it at all, but like, I think that, you know, anxiety, like I said, it's comorbid, but I think it also is really an exacerbator. Like if you have issues and then your anxiety gets stirred up, like, you know, if you have an issue, like any issues, literally any issues, yeah. um, not mental health, even like if you have, if something's frustrating and, you know, you get frustrated or upset and then you get anxious because but it you know, causes emotional of- fragility, basically. Exactly. Right? So oh, it's, perfect it's, way. Perfect way to put it. Emotional fragility. It's really, yeah. yeah. You it's feel like strung out. You're you're a broken glass that water's being poured into and it's slowly pushing on the glass and shattering you even more. Yeah. And it's and yeah, it's, it's, it's exhausting. It's but and yeah, it's exhausting. Completely exhausting. And it's 
that's why it becomes even harder to deal with because then you don't you don't have the emotional or physical strength to do it yeah and i think that's another really important thing to to mention about anxiety is that even if you're only like feeling like anxious it actually does have an effect on your body it does deplete your your like mental reserves and your physical um like your ability like if you're if you're constantly anxious all the time it does affect your immune system and stuff like that and i think that like like i i know this it causes muscle fatigue and muscle tension exactly but and like i know this because you know i'm in school to become a, a social service worker and i'm really passionate about this stuff but a lot of people don't realize that like when you have like adverse childhood experiences that are you know traumatizing or upsetting to you um it actually will affect your physical health as well so mm-hmm. you know if you have anxiety that's gone you know, unnoticed for your whole life and unchecked and you don't have any ways to deal with it. And it just is, you know, constantly going out of control, you know, that actually will have a long-term effect on your body. And, and, um, it's, 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 so it is something that like, you know, I think again, like people sort of put out the idea that like anxiety is just sort of something that everybody has and we don't really talk about it. And like, we just sort of, you know, or we don't acknowledge it or Or we make jokes about it. We make jokes about it exactly, but I think that, um, you know, we need to be able to, we need to be able to to implement certain things in in our society that that takes away some of these things because, like you know, just like how there are environmental factors that will increase your risk for cancer, like plastic, you know, a bunch mm-hmm. of different like chemicals, certain chemicals will increase your risk for cancer, you know. Things like, you know, unbridled anxiety and and stuff like these, these things do also affect you, but people don't think about them that way because it's mental health, it's invisible illnesses, yeah. it's things that you can't see affecting you. Well, yeah, right? exactly. If we had systems in place that made people recognize that anxiety is not okay and it needs to be dealt with rather than it needs to be hidden and not talked about, people would be able to deal with it much sooner without backlash. I completely agree with you. Um, and I think that that's a really interesting point uh, that you made. And I think my sort of follow-up point to that would be, you know, I well, I guess maybe not a follow-up point, but I, I hope that eventually, um, you know, we get to a point where we, you know, start questioning and maybe we ask why we allow um ourselves to all of us you know most of us the majority of us to to live and quote unquote function at this level of anxiety without support because you know we have created our societal structure you know the you know nine to five business days and you know the two-day weekends and you know working 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 and doing all this stuff and productivity and all this stuff but you know, and we've sort of, as people, we've set these expectations for ourselves in in society. And I think that, you know, we don't talk about anxiety because but we don't look we at it as like really a functional anxiety, right? Like it is a functional well, we don't look disability. at it as a functional disability because because if we did, our society wouldn't really function, right? Like because enough people would be taking actual time off and would need actual money to survive because. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 that is something that is not so. Instead, our society, you know, is all built on this. You know, you know, wanting to make sure that we are always profiting, and it's money, and you know, 
how many things we can achieve and, and do. And instead of actually like, I don't know, like, I, I feel like some people feel like the nine to five job and all of that is great because then you can live like your, la your last couple of years in retirement doing whatever you want. And I think that that is, is if that's what people want, that's great. But I think that like, I, I would rather, you know, sort of live my life as a process and a journey and like do things throughout my life instead of like run as fast as I can through my life and then live the last couple of years of my life when I'm probably, you know, more ill than I am now, yeah. um, you know, going, going and doing stuff that I wish I could have done when I was like younger, like, I don't know this, maybe that's just a me thing. <laughs> I think, can't ask society to give us vacations when we're young, but, um, yeah. I, you know, I think, the, I, I think, think a big thing is that the social anxiety does have an effect on productivity and that the fact that we're not recognizing it as something that needs to be, to be dealt with is actually harming our workplace productivity, which I know is not great to say because then that's falling into the whole nine to five work until you die type of idea. But if we properly dealt with anxiety in such a way that individuals didn't have to deal with it as much, people would be more productive at work. They would not be a financial burden. They would have less reduced, they would have reduced health risks and a better quality of life. Exactly. But, but because of the way society is set up right now, you know, we need to be profiting or, mm -hmm. you know, our country goes into debt and stuff, you know, it's like the way that the world is set up and how we interact with other countries and with each other is there's a lot of expectations and there's a lot of, um, pressure to be mm. a certain way. And I think that that's why people haven't really asked or talked about. And I think that's why, you know, typically we don't talk about anxiety and social anxiety disorder and stuff like this. It's because yeah. we kind of can't. Yeah, because if we did stop and recognize how much damage and how much pain we're all in, you know, I think that that would, it would, it would necessitate a huge shift. shift and I don't yeah. think that I don't think that that is something that people are willing to do yet. You know, yeah. there's enough people that are still willing to do the nine to five and, you know, work themselves to the bone and, and, you know, work really, really hard while they're young. Um, you know, and I think that like, that's okay, but I just, I don't know. I think for me, my perspective is probably different because I'm chronically ill, but I, I do, I wish that people would take the time to care for each other and to listen and mm -hmm. to, you know, acknowledge when something is shitty and, you know, instead of just always just running, running, running as fast as you can and getting as much stuff done as possible because like, I think, yeah, well, I think it's, actually, it's an inter interesting point is that uh, social anxiety is actually more pre prevalent in Western societies that it is still, it's still there in Eastern and like Eurasian and Asian countries, but it, it is viewed entirely differently too. But I'm not going to say that it's viewed in a better light. It's just viewed differently. Okay. So like they have different ways to identify and different ways that it's referred to and specific cultures, especially with religions, kind of view anxiety in a different way. But Western society yeah. with our kind of productivity and economical like point of like pers like and financial perspective on life has caused a greater burden on individuals and a higher rates of social anxiety. Yeah, exactly. And I think, again, like that just goes back to the, like, hopefully one day we're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to, there'll be a shift. The big in why question. Like, why is this acceptable? Yeah. Why is this the, why is this the, why Norm. is this the expectation? 
you know, exactly. Like why, why do we have to work ourselves till we're sick, you know, and, and, and not, not able to take care of ourselves because we have to go, you know, we're working like 12, 14 hour days just to make ends meet. It's like, you know, that's, that's not fair. And of course it causes anxiety. I know for me, a lot of my anxiety comes from financial anxiety because like Mm -hmm. as a chronically ill person, it's hard to do the, you know, quote unquote work that you need to do to be successful um, financially, because, you know, like I know for me, like I'm a single person uh, living alone and I, I love that I'm living alone, but you know, it does, it's, it, it, it sets a whole uh, list of anxieties up. And, and, you know, I think, I think people who have like good health privilege don't have to think of things that way and less burdens there's less burdens but i think you know you know chronic illnesses are becoming so much more common i think because a lot of people are dealing with a lot of stress when they're young and it's affecting their bodies exactly and um and i think that you know i think that if if a lot of people feel the way i feel that you know eventually things are going to shift because it's just not sustainable it isn't, anyway. and it's not sustainable, especially with so many more people having the exact same issues and it becoming to the forefront of social media and news. I think that we are on our way to a societal shift and a perspective shift in the way that we deal with social anxiety and anxiety disorder and generalized anxiety disorder. I agree. I agree. I'm excited. I'm excited to see how the language and the culture shifts, um, yeah. you know, when we are able to look at each other Um from a compassionate and empathetic perspective and realize that, you know, we're all going through this together. Um, But I think, yeah, exactly what you said, like right now, our perspective as a society, as a Western society is really like, it's about, you know, earning and and profit and doing stuff like that. And as a result, we've set up our society um, in this way. And yeah, I'm excited to see, I'm excited to see the shifts that will happen because, you know, I think, we have a lot of potential. We have a lot of yep. potential as human beings. And I think, um, I think it'll be really, really good to be able to actually see the outcomes of respect our each other, I guess. Yeah. Like respect each other's boundaries. Like, I don't know, even, even like just like social media stuff, like there's the expectation that you're available all the time and stuff. Like I, I just, I hope that, I hope that we're able to shift to a more compassionate and empathetic and respectful and kind uh, sort of way of looking at each other and interacting with each other in the future. Because, um, you know, I know so yeah. many people with social anxiety and it's just debilitating. And yeah, I think that the, I'm looking uh, the, forward to that change. I think, yeah, I agree. It's the, and I do believe that this perspective will shift towards a more uh, positive and accepting and compassionate view on social anxiety and anxiety disorders. I think we'll get there. And uh, I think talking about it and kind of voicing our opinions and the way we feel in our, our personal dealings with it will help someone, hopefully anybody kind of look at it in a different way as well. Exactly. And, and, and exactly as you just said, like, I think the first step is talking about it and, and making it, not a scary subject for people who you know experience it but don't know or don't recognize it or who don't experience it and don't understand it 
you know, some people don't experience social anxiety and, and they don't, they don't understand why, you know, people like me get so upset over certain things, right? They don't understand the emotional fragility and like the stuff that we've covered and, you know, already, but, um, and that's okay. But I think, yeah, again, it's like, it's just a shift, a shift. It is, it is. And we'll get there. So this was the compost podcast. I'm your host, Cauliflower. And I'm your host, Banana. If you have any questions or comments or any topics that you'd like us to cover, please send them to the email in the link below. And I hope you guys had a perspective change and uh, enjoyed the podcast. Thank you.